Hi, my name is Isabella. My name is Ryan. And you're watching the Sierra Podcast. Welcome, everybody, to an exclusive edition of the Sheriff Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, every hockey player has a breakout season. Now, there are many reasons for this. It might be an all-star line mate, a stud defense partner, or maybe a superstar goaltender. But ladies and gentlemen, my breakout season was because of my guest tonight. He was my coach my last year in the OHL playing for the Oshawa Generals. And through this man's guidance, determination, and belief in me, I was able to sign an NHL entry-level contract with the Buffalo Sabres. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, all over the world, I would like to introduce to you my guest tonight. He hails from Toronto, Ontario at six foot, 185 pounds. He is a middleweight. He's played professional hockey in two different countries. He is a legendary OHL executive, GM, and coach, a two-time Stanley Cup champion with the LA Kings. Ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, my guest tonight, Mr. Michael Fuda. How are you doing today, man? Holy smokes. I feel a heck of a lot better about myself now. <laughs> well, Fuda, I'll be honest with you. I was so excited for you to come on my show tonight. In fact, I listened to our episode that we did last year, which was an hour and a half, by the way, and I was very entertained and, and really was like reminiscing about the stories that we've been through. Well, we could have gone longer than that, Sean. And that's what part of the greatest thing in hockey are the friendships that you make along the way. And obviously, we formed a tight relationship in Oshawa, and you've gone on to be one of the best enforcers in professional hockey. But the, proud I take, the pride I take in now and the passion that I see that you have for your podcast, it's like you, you forgot to mention, too, that now I, damp I tamper a little bit with Sportsnet. And uh, I see the role models that you have uh, that you can get Ken Reed and Sam Cosentino on. And my first show in Sportsnet was the National Hockey League draft show, and I was absolutely terrified. I was ready to jump off the building after the rehearsal. And uh, my role model on that side of the industry was Elliot Friedman. So if we right could ever just get Elliot Friedman to maybe pop in, now we're talking about a headline and show. That would be an absolute honor. Would that be a get? Oh, yeah. Well, Whoa! Just, just Whoa! Suck <laughs> Elliot Friedman! Hey, dudes. Good to see you. Whoa, hey, I have to tell you, he would never say anything that nice about me if I wasn't here. <laughs> like, I know that, and you know that, and he knows that. Well, Elliot, I mean, I must say, like, this is an honor to have both you, both you gentlemen on my show today. I'm going to be very quick and frank with you. Okay. I'm a really, really big fan of yours, my man, okay? <laughs> I started my podcast just over a year ago. Okay. And I'm telling you right now, Elliot, I try to model as much as I can after you and Jeff. And I just think that you guys are pretty much what everyone is trying to follow. You guys do everything right on point. You're so entertaining, but the best thing is the information that you guys are able to give up. Well, first of all, Sean, you set a very low bar for yourself. So that's, that's <laughs> but you know what, Sean, like, um, like I, I've heard Mike talk about you before. He, he thinks the world of you. And I think that, you know, there's no reason your podcast is, isn't going to be a huge success. And all I would just say to you is, you know hockey. You played it at a very high level for a very long time. And uh, just tell great stories. Uh, when you watch games, talk about what you see and what you know and your experiences. And your podcast is going to be great. No question about it. No doubt about it. 
Well, coming from you, buddy, I, I really appreciate all those words of wisdom, right? And it will motivate me because every time, Elliot, I look at the ratings, I'm seeing you at the top, I'm seeing me in the middle, and I'm trying to get to where you are. So I really appreciate the words of wisdom, like I said, and I'm going to try to follow every word and be the best I can be, my man. I have no doubt that's going to be the case, no doubt at all. Like I said, you played at a high level a long time, Sean. That's pretty impressive. By the way, I met your mom, Sheila. I was really impressed. Like, in, uh, in TV, we're supposed to have a really quick wit. And when I met Sheila, I said to her, well, you're the sheriff. So I'm trying to think of what's higher than the sheriff. Are you the prosecutor? And she looks at me and says, God. Like, that is a quick wit. That is a quick wit. I like that. I, I, I don't think I could have said any better than that. But, but Elliot, honestly, buddy, I'm absolutely blessed to have you come down here. Yep. Um, it's an honor, honor to meet you. It was an honor to take the photo. And I'm just absolutely blessed for you to say words on my show. Uh, Thank you so much. Sean, all the best, man. And uh, don't take my spot too quickly, okay? <laughs> Mine and Jeff and Almo, we work hard. Don't take our spot too quickly. All <laughs> the best, you, Sean. Really no doubt. It. Huge success. Thank okay. Thanks, Elliot. All right, Mike, great to see you, bud. You, you got to tell him the story about, you got to ask him about that day, the first broadcast, the player Columbus drafted that nobody had ever heard of. <laughs> I amazing. will. Oh, yeah. We That's will. Great, we'll, yeah. we'll get, we'll, yeah. we'll get right we'll into all that. Talk about Sammy Cosentino. <laughs> Thanks, Freeds. <laughs> wow. Just, just so you know, this guy is, in my opinion, one of the goats of the business, this industry. I agree. And uh, when you talk about climbing a ladder for me, in order to climb a ladder, you know, there's to get to the top, not only do you have to have people pushing you that believe in you from the bottom, but you have to have people that are on top of the ladder trying to pull you up. Oh, yes. And he is selfless in what he does. He's a wonderful human being. And it was kind of fun to see him here when I got here tonight. And I had no doubt that he was going to be a, a pleasure and thrilled to be helping out with your podcast. Well, you know what, Futes? I, again, like, the fact that you did that for me, that's a huge favor. I'm a big fan at heart. Like, I'm a former player, but I'm a big fan. So when I see you, when I see Elliot, Jeff, Merrick, all of you guys, Ken Reed, like, the first thing I look at you guys in is you guys are role models to me. So thank you very much. Wow. That's another thing that I was able to take off my bucket list. <laughs> well, I appreciate it. But I say people like that for me, especially because I'm, I'm so used to just – in my old role, which I want to get back into, obviously, but I'm so used to people asking me questions and giving answers. When you're on the other side, yes, and you're asked to like, I remember the first time like Wayne Simmons is on, and they're like, talk to him, and I'm like, hi Wayne, how are you? <laughs> you're like, oh, ask him a question. Don't talk to him like you're at the bar, you're in a oh, golf yeah. course. You got to ask questions, and you got guys like Elliot. It's so natural for him. They make you feel relaxed. They make you allow to be yourself, and that's what's special about the business. Exactly. So now. Futes, there's one thing that I'm dying to talk to you about. Now, you have a big, long resume that I want to get into, but I got to talk about this LA Kings reunion. Now, I saw it on social media. I seen the pictures. Please, please, my man, tell us a little bit about this LA reunion. Well, about six months ago, first of all, we, we were fortunate enough to win the Stanley Cup in 2012 and 2014. And then... When you're leaving the ice, you start to imagine. Like, you always hear the stories like when you win a championship with a team, you guys are family. You're going to be on this. Your names are entrenched on the Stanley Cup forever, but you're going to be family forever. And you think about it, and they're like, 20 years from now, you guys are going to get together, and that can instantly have that born. So about six months ago, I mean, obviously things didn't end great for me with Los Angeles after 14 years and a lot of success. But I get this wonderful email that's inviting us all back with our families 
they're going to fly us to Los Angeles for the 10 year anniversary of our first Stanley Cup. Wow. And we're like, I'm like, well, I wonder how many guys aren't. And I think only three guys didn't show. It was for reasons outside of their control. Yeah. But to show up, and it was like, this is your life. Like, Daryl Sutter, the, who's just coming out of Calgary. And a lot of them I'd stayed in touch with, but guys like Mike Richards and Willie Mitchell and the whole group just walking down the aisle. And we haven't seen each other since we left the parade. Yeah. And it's like, you just pick it up like this. And it was, the Kings paid for everybody's flights. They paid, we were at a, a five-star resort food it had to be at least a half a million dollars for three days for what they did and there was gifts and bottles with our names engraved from that time and it was just one of those things that as much as winning the cup was a lifelong treasure oh, yeah. that they always say they can't take away for it this was one of the most meaningful experiences to bring us all together it's like bring the band back together yes. and it really drives home what winning a championship is like and that you truly are you're joined in a special bond for the rest of your lives. And the Kings just, and it's funny too, because I've talked to other players and I don't want to throw them under the bus, but for example, Milan Lucic. Yes. And he's texting me and he's like, oh, I'm so upset. <laughs> he goes, God, I wish the Boston Bruins would do this. This would be so fun. And I mean, cats off because I mean, as much as there was a little bit of a burning anger with me, the way things with the Kings, they showed me what first class is all about between yes. Dan Beckerman and Luke Robitaille and Kelly Cheeseman to bring us together to be able to enjoy each other and our families and where they're at. It was just an incredible, incredible experience beyond words. Now, and, and thanks for sharing that. So now I was going to say, I asked you before we started here where it was and it was right in the LA area. So I couldn't even imagine oh my how expensive that must have been for the club. The cost wasn't even, and even the desserts, each dessert had the player's name on it with his number and the Stanley Cup attached to it. And again, silly me, I'm one of those guys that never wears his rings anywhere. Like I had okay. to go, just as your mom's here, I had to go to my mom in Midland and ask her if she could go into the safety deposit box and get one of my rings. She goes, do you want them both? I said, no, just one, because I'm going through the streets of Toronto <laughs> and I don't want yeah. it to end poorly. And, and so this <laughs> is the ring that you speak of, right? This is the 2014, and I figure if I'm coming to visit the sheriff, I better bring one of my badges. And this to me, I mean, you start to dream about things, and it's like, first of all, it's Tiffany's, it's where whatever, it's like $50,000 or whatever, but it's like, it's a personal thing that you get that you only dream of. Like, and we had won rings in junior, and that I'm not diminishing because every championship matters, but as a kid growing up, when they hand you this, and it's like, if you look at it, it's got your name, it's personalized, it's got all of your scores from the championship inside. It's so personalized as what that team did, 2014, it's, it's, it's beyond words. So I brought this to be a special guest uh, for you, I know it fits on your pinky with those huge mitts that you have, but it's a lifelong dream for Silicon We have, I've got fortunate to have two of them. The, you'll love this story, Sheila, because I had been divorced and in my second year, they, they told us that we were allowed to get the top of it from Tiffany's and you could have it made, just take the top of the ring off and have it as a pendant for your wife. And okay. me not having a wife, my ex certainly wasn't gonna get that. <laughs> so I have one made for my mom. Oh, and that's incredible. She got my, uh, she's the biggest role model in my life, along with a great father. So I knew how much she was involved. So that was one of the best gifts I was ever able to do to present my mom, my half of the Tiffany's ring. And she, uh, she's got it put away. She's no longer a Kings fan. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like no mother turned on the Kings too. Yeah. But uh, she just holds it close to her heart. And that's 
families, everything. So that to me is a very special gesture. So I, I wanted to dig it out, Sheriff, so you could see what one of the badges looks like. This is absolutely incredible. And I feel very safe with you around <laughs> hey, having the ring. Because if anybody I, from there comes to get it, I want to see one of your 800 fights come into place. I will protect <laughs> it at all costs, ladies and gentlemen. That's so awesome. This is, this is like a once-in-a-lifetime experience, dudes. Like, the only other time that I've been anything close to this Again, my mom was involved. We were on a plane to Sweden and Finland for a, a, a tournament that I did with the Don Mills Flyers, and Scotty Bowman was on our plane, wow. and I got to see a Pittsburgh Penguin ring. Well, he's got, so, I think he's got 12, so yeah, he's, he, if he wore all his uh, rings, the plane would probably go down with all the jewelry he's got, but he's obviously, as you said, you think it's a once-in-a-lifetime thing. I was fortunate enough to be a part of two championships teams, so... yes. And then when you, it goes away, you start to wonder if you can ever do it again. And that's what drives you, is to get back. And first of all, I've got three beautiful daughters and only two Stanley Cup rings. So one of them's looking at me saying, you better get your ass in gear because somebody's getting screwed in the wheel here if you yes. don't get another ring. So get another one into your belt. You got there, there, there things I've never been, like they joked at Sportsnet that you have to wear it. I've never been one of those blingy, wear it and show it off. And not that that's other people's business, but for me, it's just a classy that you put away, and if you ever doubt yourself, you might want to open it up and realize what you've accomplished, because it, it does remind you of the success you've had when you're having downtimes. But I want to especially bring it to you and, and allow you to show it on your show, because uh, I know how hard you've worked to get to where you are now, and how much character you've shown. I know even with your ice wars, how uh, the old Sean McMorrow, I know you, you hosted the first one, and I mean, I was getting to watch the second one to see you host, and I saw you weren't hosting, and I was thinking, the old Sean McMorrow, someone's getting their head ripped off in the back room about this. <laughs> but you sucked it up. Yep. You know that when you're climbing a ladder, there's going to be some diversity. Sometimes you may go back down. You just keep climbing, stay positive. You be a team player, and you'll find yourself right at the top of the ladder, and then you can start helping those people down. There's always jealous people. That's the one I've found. You like to think that people call you when you're having success and feel great for you, but it's the way the world is now. There's, for every person that wants to congratulate you on succeeding, there's five that don't want you to succeed because you might be perceived as better than them or accomplishing something that they've never been good enough to attain. That's why when I see other teams win, like Al Murray was the head scout in Los Angeles for 14 years before he arrived, and he, would, he led drafts that drafted Jonathan Quick and Dustin Brown and Anze Kopitar, and then I come in and help build the rest of the ship and win two Stanley Cups, and nobody's ever talking about Al Murray. So Al Murray is director of scouting for the Tampa Bay Lightning. So the minute the Tampa Bay Lightning won, first call I made is, you got it. Oh, man. You got what you deserved. Yes. And that's, that's what's breathing life. It shouldn't, people are jealousy and fickle enough as it is. But if you can't support people that put in the work for success, you don't belong in it, and you don't deserve to have success yourself. So when I see you doing something with the passion you have, and how much you're enjoying it and improving with every episode, it makes me proud. It makes me proud of what you're doing because you love it, what you accomplished, and clearly the most important person in your life makes her proud too. Well, I mean, I really appreciate what you just said, dude. Like it means a lot, so thank you very much. For that's us just growth and maturity, Sean, and that's the biggest thing because I'm going to be honest, and I'll talk to God over there sitting there. There's a, you're not the easiest guy to handle in junior hockey. Growth and maturity wasn't the best thing going. But I'll tell you, to see where you're at now, the maturity level you stand, that's what growing up into a fine young man is. And once you've conquered that, the sky's the limit on everything else. Again, I, I appreciate all that, Feuds. Thank you so much. So now, we're talking about the LA Kings. We're talking about Stanley Cups. 
there is a big process to get to that point. Now, I want to talk about the OHL, but we're going to flip-flop a little bit because when you got hired by the LA Kings, there was an agreement that you made with a certain player that you were supposed to stick around with the Owen Sound Platers. Now, I'm talking about Mr. Wayne Simmons. Now, I believe that Mr. Wayne Simmons is going to be getting a lot of attention this year. He's, he's at towards the end of his career. He's in his hometown, and he's the heart and soul of this team. And I believe he's going to get a lot of attention. But, Mr. Fuda, what a lot of people don't realize that are outside of the OHL, outside of the LA Kings organization, the Philly organization, because they would have heard Wayne's stories, is that you are such a big part of Wayne Simmons' development and his opportunity to enter the National Hockey League. And I just wanted the, the fans and listeners to understand this because we're Toronto-based here, and Wayne is the heart and soul of our team. So I want these listeners and viewers to understand how closely connected you are with Wayne. I want them to hear about the story about a gentleman that was fully committed to Bowling Green University. And a certain man drove to his house and convinced his father, his mother, and his brother that Wayne should take a different route. Now, I know I've said a lot here, right? But I'm sure you well, can tell well, the story better than I me. I appreciate it. We talked about it, and probably the two signature players that kind of made me look good because I acknowledged what I knew about them were Mark Giordano and Wayne Simmons. In Wayne's case, I had talked him out of a scholarship and I take a lot of pride in if I make a promise to a kid in front of his family that I'm going to ride it out. And when I left, long story short, Wayne came to Owen Sound and had a great career, but I got hired by Los Angeles and I was basically leaving an undrafted player with his dream unfulfilled. And I couldn't tell him when I went to Los Angeles what my plans were because Los Angeles didn't have him on the draft list and he was kind of off the off the playing field yeah. so I had to lie to Wayne and say hey buddy you know I'll invite you for a tryout whatever what have you went into LA sold them on Wayne Simmons by the time I was done talking about Wayne the person he was number 11 on our list overall and okay. he didn't even think I was I wasn't returning his phone calls nothing didn't I told him not to come to the draft long story short they pushed the microphone in front of me in the second round, the Los Angeles Kings choose Wayne Simmons. Apparently, he almost drove off the road and passed away at a shock. But for me, that was just me opening the door. And then they showed up, and they're looking at him. They're like, this is this skinny 145-pin kid out of Scarborough. What have you done? And I said, just sit back and watch. Yes. Because he's going to die on the train tracks, and you'll find out how tough he is. If he gets himself to 175 pounds, he's going to be pound for pound the toughest guy in the league. He's got hands. He's the most fierce competitor you're ever going to get. And that all he did was I just put the ticks, talked to Wayne, and he just checked all the boxes. And then when we traded him, uh, Dean Lombardi said, we're going to trade your son to Philly for Mike Richards and yeah. along with Braden Shen. Now, clearly he wasn't my son, but that was kind of the relationship I had. And then Wayne and I, to this day, we spoke a couple weeks ago, and I'm glad you're acknowledging it because... I would like nothing better than to see, as much as I'm not a fan of the Toronto Maple Leafs, <laughs> I've got probably five or six of my kids that are there now. Yes. You know, whether it be Clifford or, or Geo and uh, Jack Campbell was. I mean, yeah, th th these guys, I want them to win so badly. And I love that Kyle Dubas has brought in a Wayne Simmons and a Mark Giordano who have the character to get them over. But you also have to acknowledge 
that they are your heart and soul because last year, in my opinion, in the playoffs, and this is just me being a proud dad, when they needed it the most, Wayne Simmons was in a suit and tie. Yeah. Okay? And I agree with that. He set the tone in game one with the fight and the physicality. Yeah. And then the next game, he got a little bit rambunctious, and they just pulled the plug on him. And that's their choice. Okay? But when you take a person that cares that much out of the mix, you kind of sometimes get your just desserts. So I believe in him enough. I love the fact they acquired him. I love the fact that Gio, and this isn't going to mean that they're they're top-line players again. As you said, they've passed that stage, but if they're not part of that mix when the adversity starts, it doesn't bring the best Leaf product out, in my opinion. But I so love now, the fact they acquired him. Yes. So now, the fact that you believed in Wayne Simmons so much, Futes, to draft him so high in the draft, what did that do for you as a, as a scout for the NHL? Well, like, Sheriff, it was a learning curve because I was saying in internal meetings, we don't have to take him this high. He's hidden. Nobody knows about him. Yes. And Dean Lombardi said, I won't say exactly what he said because it would be an X-rated <laughs> podcast, but he said, you pussy, right? He goes, I, I, you put all this thing, you believe in the kid, you believe in the kid, now you don't have the cojones to take him where you have him on the list. And that was my first learning curve. If I believe him, I've done all the work, and I have insider trading on his character, you don't hide him. You put him right out there, and you take him and let him go to town. And now you see it. I mean, like even like a kid like Curtis McDermott has done that. And my most positive thing about what I've done as a scout is the kids that have made me look good yeah. and that have become potential Hall of Famers. Or like last year, I think Mark Giordano and Wayne Simmons are my two best stories to tell. No offense to you. Hey, but NHL I, stories. I absolutely love them. They played their 1,000th NHL game yes. within one day of each other. Oh, wow. So for me, it was like... And, and the, one of the biggest things, it wasn't what they've accomplished as hockey players, was at the NHL Awards in the same year, Justin Williams, who's one of my best friends in hockey from L.A., Wayne Simmons and Mark Giordano were both, they were all nominated for the Mark Messier Leadership Award, which That's isn't right. hockey related. It says these are the best people. Men. These yeah. are the best men. They're the yeah. best guys for charities that are selfless with their time. And that, to me, was more proud than a Norris Trophy or this. Yeah. Because they're like, how do you find these kids? Look at it. These guys, these are guys that weren't even drafted. They're not even supposed to be in the league. And what are they doing? They're getting awards for being the best, hardest workers, the most character. And if you've got that, you've always got a chance. Nobody can tell me, like, I'll take a chance, like Curtis McDermott, who's the new heavyweight champion. Yeah. I brought him on as a walk-on. Why? Because I saw this kid work out, and I knew at the time he was like 5'8", 150 pounds. His dad was a monster. I said, yeah. when he grows into that body, he's going to kill people for a living. And unfortunately, he's found a way to work in the league. He won his Stanley Cup this year. He had a little trouble balancing it over his head, if you've seen the video. <laughs> yeah. But this is the kind of kid, if you have the character and the want and the will, nobody can tell me. Nobody can tell me that you can't make it. You're always giving yourself a chance. And it's the people that have the excuses. And it's like the people that talk shit about the hunters. Yeah. Right? Okay. You know why you talk shit about the hunters? Because all they do is win. I know. They're the best. They should be an AHL team. They're the best. They just feed so the it's NFL. easy to sit back and throw rocks and say, oh, they do this, they do that. You yeah. know what they do? They win, and they're they the best. Win. Yeah. So stop complaining about them and try and emulate and be as good as them. And it just kills me. That's, again, it's that, it's that jealousy that people, it's easier to throw stones than help people out. And you know what? That's wor words of wisdom that I'm hoping that the young players are paying attention to so they don't get affected from that type of stuff. So now speaking of the OHL, now I want to make sure I get the perfect quote here because our, our both our good buddies, Mr. Don Cherry, legend, 
he quoted one time saying, Mike Fuda has created an Ontario Hockey League NHL All-Star team with the LA Kings. Yes. Do you mind commenting on that a little bit? <laughs> well, for me, being a huge fan of Don Cherry, obviously growing up, and I got a chance to meet him through bad circumstances because a player in Owen Sound had been killed in a car accident at the time, and I had to bring the jersey to Coach's Corner yeah. for him to pay, pay homage to him. That's uh, Mr. Dan Snyder? Dan Snyder yeah, in, in Atlanta. And, he was, and he's a wonderful guy. It was a terrible story, but that's how I met him. And I ended up sitting on Don Cherry's porch, drinking beers and just listening to him be Don Cherry. And then all of a sudden, he's writing a book, and he was coming around through the... He was coming through all the playoffs and uh -huh. seeing me, and he was verbalizing that... Daryl Sutter is the coach, and Mike Feud built, and clearly it's a staff that builds it, but it was my, I had insider trading on Jeff Carter, Mike Richards, um, Drew Doughty, all these guys, like Brad Richardson. It was like an yeah. OHL All-Star oh, yeah. team. And yeah. I, it was funny, because like, Daryl Sutter would say to me, where are all the Western Hockey League players? And I'm like, <laughs> suck it up on this one, pal, because we're going all the way with the OHL, and it'll oh, work, yeah. and it worked. And, uh, and for me, it was such a good feeling, and obviously, it led to nice promotions for me, but I think it was all guys that I knew, and it was if it and it would have I would have been so devastated when Dean called me in and said he was trading Simmer and trading Braden Shen. If it wasn't Mike Richards, who was my favorite player in all of Canadian Hockey League, yeah. he had just destroyed me in Owen Sound, <laughs> and I was finally getting Captain Canada on my team. It made it, it was worth it. It was a team decision, and and Wayne always laughs because they'd say we'd win two cups, and they'd say look at Shen's. Scoring 40, Simmons scoring 40, they killed you in the trade. And went, Simmer was like, F you. They got two Stanley Cups. We don't win Cups. We don't win the trade. So it's well, accountability. See, but see, I I'm not going to let that situation off that easily, though, because Mr. Wayne Simmons, now correct me if I'm wrong. When that trade happened, where him and Shen went to Philly, did Wayne not become an all-star the next season in yeah. L.A.? <laughs> He was back in L.A. It was the best scene for me about allowing a guy who's grown into a 40-goal scorer, and he comes rocking back into his first All-Star game, and it's where it all started. And he was wearing the bling, and he deserved every accolade he got. And it was like a chance for him. I didn't win a cup, but look what I've become. I'm an NHL All-Star. And I felt amazing. I mean, it was for me, it was like an old home show I mean, because for him to do it, but him that. to do it in the town that he was drafted in, that gave him the chance for him yep. to come back as an all-star. And I'll say it, the only thing that, that pissed me off to this day is Wayne Simmons bled and did everything for the Philadelphia Flyers. And somewhere along the line, when they gave Van Riemsdyk his huge deal, they found a way to not pay Wayne Simmons for spilling blood, tears, and everything for the Flyers. And he had a good contract, but he never got the contract that a 40-goal scorer who yeah. fights every heavyweight in the league deserves yeah. to get oh, yeah. at an age when it's when it just unheard of. And unfortunately, it's not that he has not made, and he's never going to feel bad about it. He's a very rich young man, but he never got that home run contract that he deserved. Well, you know what? I, I agree with you. Wayne was, I mean, I know, I knew the guy from him growing up, but he literally was my favorite player for a long time. Like, he's always going to be my favorite player, but man, was he, I think he was the most impactful right winger for probably a string of maybe three to five seasons, like, Number one guy, like, you got to have a Wayne on your team if you want to win, so... Well, you talk about 40 goals, plus, it's it's unheard of, the players he was fighting. Oh, yeah. And he was, he was a smart fighter. Like, oh, he yeah. very rarely lost to anybody. Even the guys that were out of his league were, because it's like... And even his fitness test showed that 
although he was built at 175 pounds, his punch was like getting hit by a 225 pounder. And he was smart and like you guys do that have to do that trade, you find ways to survive and get the job done. But Wayne never held on. They what they call it when you guys say where seatbelts seat belt. No seatbelts. No seat and it didn't matter here. who it was. Oh yeah. And that's kind of where I have that part of my life when I now see there was a time when I just sat there on the bench and I knew Sean was gonna fight that I just sit back and love it. Because I knew that was the result was gonna be. You're gonna win. And then as things goes on, you start to think about the kid that you've become friends and you, they're now like sons. So now when Kyle Clifford or Wayne Simmons, who are at their later stage, go against like a Ryan Reeves, yeah. I just like, oh yeah, I don't look at the fight the same way anymore because that next punch might end somebody's career. And it's not that I don't like that side of the game. I just view a fight differently now. Oh yeah. When you know it's not, a, it's not an asset, it's a family member. And that's that's just the way I view it. I, I view it I view it the same way. I, I appreciate the feelings that you have because that makes me feel good that that you were worried about me in those regards. I hope I performed every time and didn't well, disappoint you. I was worried about you. the other guy. <laughs> when you were fighting in junior hockey, I was worried about the other guy. I was worried about the other <laughs> and the curfew box. Always worried about the other guy, but God took care of that. <laughs> so, you, it's like like I'm 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 a big fan of yours, buddy, and like I like to see really good people in hockey be in good positions what are your goals right now for you it's like like i want to see you as a general manager in the national hockey league is that your personal goal that is clearly my personal goal down the road i just want to get part back a part of a team i mean i was a part of carolina this year as a consultant for me it was a wonderful experience because roddy brindamore is one of my favorite hockey players ever to see his work ethic, I got to work with Justin Williams again. We were a great team, but I also, and Johnny Waddell was amazing, but I saw a team run completely differently. Whereas in, in LA, the only time we saw our owner was on the ice with the Stanley Cup <laughs> and, you know, handing out the bonus money. Yeah. We're in, in Carolina, and rightfully so, it's his team. Tom Dunnan, as an owner, is involved in every aspect of what goes out on the ice. And I think that that's just different for me. It's his brand, and they got a great team. And if they find a way to win that way, but I've always, I've never seen you can have as many analytics in your life. But if you look at teams that have won the Stanley Cup, everybody at the deadline makes a move when you're having a great year to push you across the finish line. Yes. And we weren't prepared to make those moves this year. We added Max Domi, who I love, but the, the, the deals we had that could have pushed us across the finish line, they decided at another level, not the hockey people, they didn't want to do them. And that's life. You just you don't get upset. They're your bosses. But it was just so different for me. I had a year deal. We respectfully moved on from each other. I want to get back with the team. I want to help the team win a Stanley Cup. I do feel it's tough for me at times because people have that perception it's GM or nothing for me. Okay. I'm not at that stage in my life. I okay, want to be so a part of a team. If I have to, if I've been knocked down a few rungs, I'm getting back on that ladder. I have no problem climbing right back up again. And if I, I think it's more of a, when you look at your get your kind of what do you call it, your bucket list. Is I've never thought I was going to win a Stanley Cup. I wanted to win a Stanley Cup as a player. I wasn't good enough. I took shortcuts. All of a sudden, I've won a Stanley Cup as a head scout, Stanley Cup as an assistant general manager on a personal level. It's just natural. You think you're ready to, you'd love to win one as the boss. Yes. It doesn't mean that, that ultimate goal, nobody's going to take these two away if it never happens. But I'd be cheating myself if I didn't internally want that to be a goal that I get to achieve in my life. But along the way, if I got to go back and be the support guy and work my way up to the top and help a team win, this color of Stanley Cup's not changing. That's right. And that feeling's not going to change. And that's what I want to be a part of. And Fuchs, you know what? The reason why I appreciate what you said so much is because the teams that win, they have to have people that care the way that you just explained. Oh. Okay? 
You have to. Because the players, they have to play for their coaches. They have to play for their GMs. And when I say that, I'm not talking about going through the motions. I'm talking about being emotional, having passion, and actually caring about who you play for. And guys like yourself, when you're the coach or when you're the executive, guys that play for you, they know how much you care. So that's what puts you over top of everybody else. And I'm glad the public knows. This man right here, it's not just about the GM. He'll take it, but he wants to be a part of the process. He wants to win a Stanley Cup. And I appreciate that too, Trump. But you, the way you're saying it, it's so true. The teams like Dean Lombardi had an invested, like he called Jeff Carter up to his room and there'd be popcorn. And he'd watch The Gunslinger, like a Clint Eastwood movie with popcorn because he was his shooter. He knew about his, his family. He, it wasn't just an asset. And, and players have to understand because it's a two-sided coin. Like if general managers are going to trade players that don't want to leave, uh, and that happens, right? Mark Giordano wanted to stay in Calgary, right? That was hard for him to leave. But then when you see the players today have changed too. Like when you see guys like Tuchuk and, and Goudreau coming off the season they have, yes. how could you think that they don't want to be anything but Calgary Flames? But there's family and business decisions go into it. So it's that much tougher with today's player. Yeah. And it's two sides of the coin because if you're going to trade players, you can't be upset when some of them decide to leave. But the players, today's players, chiseled a little differently. It's like, yeah. how do they say it? It's like people here are like, I don't think one second Austin Matthews is ever going to leave the Toronto Maple Leafs. But if you turn on sports radio, it's like, oh my God, he's going to be driving Arizona in yeah. two years. Yeah. I don't think, like, so I, don't th I think he's built differently. He won't leave here until he's a Stanley Cup champion here and he becomes the statue that goes outside. That's my personal take. But for every guy that has that, I have that feeling about, there are some guys that if there's a bigger paycheck somewhere else, yeah. okay, the, the jersey means nothing. The cup doesn't mean anything. It's a chance to just, and that's not a, hey, that's your, that's your cut. Yeah, yeah. But I don't think you win championships. You might win individual awards. You might, yep. and usually by the time it's funny, by the time they decide who's in the Hall of Fame, not too many guys that weren't, you're either a Stanley Cup champion or you're the ultimate leader, like, or you're just a force of nature, like an Eric Lindros, yeah. that without a cup finds his way in, because you just redefine the way the game was supposed to be played. Oh, yeah. So these other guys that have all these personal accolades with no championships and lots of money, you probably don't have a Stanley Cup ring and you're probably not going to the ultimate shrine go. as well. Because it's all, this is one sport that is clearly all about team. Yeah. Now, there's no live, there's no live league. <laughs> I hear you. There's one thing I want to add to your points here. When Austin Matthews can get the Stanley Cup for Toronto, I couldn't even imagine the pedestal he's going to be put on. Like, I look at, I think you hear it. You start to wonder if they went around, they might start naming streets after players. <laughs> But I mean, to now, to understand, that's why I look at it too. And that's what I, when I look at our championship teams, yeah. which, and it doesn't scare me about the Leafs because they're good enough that they could just go on one of those runs where we'll win one and we'll win four because they're just that talented, right? Mm -hmm. But to, to not have that feeling yet, like that last, that first year, I was on the plane watching Jonathan Quick with leg pads, like with suits on, breathing, like, because they couldn't walk. Jeff Carter going up and down the plane with an intravenous unit. Like, Dwight King loses 15 pounds in the playoffs. These guys have gone through two months of war. And wow. it, I hate the war analogy, but it is. Yeah. They are battling on the ice, and their bodies, they can't move. When they leave, like, whatever they do, they have their crazy night where they all get hammered. They're all smoking. None of them smoke cigarettes, but they're all smoking cigarettes. Just doing stuff you'd never do. Yeah. But they're, it's like their bodies just give out on them. 
now if you haven't won a round, you've got you you haven't got that's the mental test yeah. of winning a round yet. Yeah. Next, once you get it, and they're good enough to d get that, you have to pass that physical test of what it takes because there's a lot of luck involved, and there's going to be one game where you're up against it, and the next goal you're going home or you're going on, but going on means another seven weeks of war, yeah. and you got to be mentally tough to make sure you want to score that goal because it's only going to get harder. Yes. And that's what a champion for me is. When you can make the decision the Tampa Bay Lightning made in Game 7 here that, hey, we've won two in a row, let's go back and go to the sunshine. And instead, they found a way to get that goal Yeah. because that's going to give them another seven weeks of hell on their bodies. But it was they made that decision. They were going to do it. Exactly. That's what champions are. No, no Futes, honestly, the, the talks that we've had today – like, I'm so motivated. I'm so excited right now. I feel like I'm a champion well, hanging out with hey, you. Hey, you know what I'm saying? Buddy, you're, you're, you, cause it, you have passion in the player, which you did. You had to play the ultimate sacrifice. Because most of the time, you weren't fighting for Sean McMorrow. You were fighting because somebody did something to a teammate. Yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. That's what happens. Yeah. Especially at the NHL level. Not too many guys fight because they want to be the top guy. No. I mean, in Ice Wars, maybe. But maybe, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, like maybe that's what you should have. You should have two really skilled guys go around in the plastic and have somebody take a cheap shot <laughs> and then have everybody just go to town. But you know what I mean? Yes. So now I see the same passion that you brought to your having to be in the best shape and knowing you had to fight that night. And now I see the passion that you have to get ready for a show. Oh, yeah. You're going to succeed, my friend. You're going to well, succeed. Dude, I appreciate it. I will never forget trying this on beside <laughs> my friend, his ring. His permission, this is incredible. It's absolutely incredible. But, like, honestly, the, the talk that we had today, I, I wanted a lot of our young audience to pay attention to this yeah. because these words of wisdom is really going to help when they're going to an OHL training camp, when they get to their first NHL conditioning camp, anything like that. All, all these things that you have to go through, the mindset, I'm telling you, Futes, the reviews from the show is going to be really good, buddy, well, and I really, really appreciate I pre I, I, Mac, know. I, I, You know what? For me, you talk about these kids. The one thing you control when you go to any training camp is the fitness test. Coaches, NHL coaches, I know they say you drafted in the first or seventh. If you go in and your seventh-round pick wins the fitness testing, Curtis McDermott went in as a rookie who didn't belong on the ice yet, okay. but he won the fitness testing. At the, at the rookie level, he was the top testing NHL. That's how serious he took his conditioning yeah. that sticks with your coaches so instead of finding excuses so you're that guy in the road down the roads leading the beer league and scoring telling me the list of coaches that screwed you eliminate all your excuses now through your training and give yourself a chance to fulfill your dream and remove all the self-inflicted wounds forget the excuses just to be the best you can be and for me i had a dream because i took to me I took shortcuts as a player. I, I really truly think I had the skill set to be a fourth line. Everybody thought I was the next Bill Bird, right? Okay. So I took too many shortcuts. I cheated. The door opened up again in management. I never took another shortcut in my life, and I had to outwork everybody. And then the dream opened up again. And at the end were people that wanted you to succeed, as I said. So the people on the bottom of the ladder that are pulling you down, you find the ones that are pushing you up, and you find the one at the top that's not trying to kick you back down. He's going to put out that hand to pull you back up so you can succeed and be the best person you can be. Amen. That, that's incredible word, words of wisdom from two-time Stanley Cup champion Michael Fiona.
Thanks for coming on, my friend. And thank and you for letting me see the... Oh, yes. Great to see your mom. I haven't seen her since the lobby of the Oshawa Generals probably 25 years ago. That's some great reminiscent right there. But I wanted to thank the, the listeners for tuning in to another episode of The Sheriff featuring special guest, two-time Stanley Cup... I'm saying it again, two-time Stanley Cup champion, Michael Fuda. Thank you so much, and we'll see you guys again soon. Woo! Woo!